Max Baer, I invite you to the first edition of the Polis Project, Echo Walks. Echo Walks are conversations with wonderfully inspiring people. I invited Sofia Staliska for our first walk. We talked about how it's like to be a mom, a businesswoman, and someone who influences other people through strictly fashionable metamorphosis. I invite you to the first edition of Echo Walks. Let's go. Good morning. We are starting our adventure today, or actually a walk, surrounded by a very autumn aura, because it's the weather that introduces us to the, to the season. We had the pleasure of watching Echo Walks, the ones in Amsterdam and the ones in London. The weather was also a bit English there, definitely, but we have beautiful umbrellas that protect us dur like during golf from anything that might be unpleasant here today at the Royal Baths Park. We are entering a new season, although the summer ended quite quickly this year, because usually we still got a chance to enjoy it a bit in the September. To be honest, I was counting on it. I am always impressed by your outfit, because that's a challenge for women, and it may be worth talking about. When entering this autumn summer period, in which for a while we can actually immerse ourselves in something completely different when it comes to our clothes. It is a huge challenge for women to get dressed for a walk like this one, to simply meet friends or a friend or a husband to go on a date or a newly introduced guy, for example. How does it work for you? How do you roll? I'll put it that way. You know, actually, when the weather changes, the wardrobe changes with us too because we put on different elements from our wardrobe. Is that a challenge? It's nice that you emphasize that, whether it's a date, a walk, or a meeting with friends, because an outfit always depends on the occasion and who we meet, what the temperature is, because autumn has different temperatures and different colors. Well, they say that autumn is the time when we can probably go wildest when it comes to outfits. In your opinion, does this work for both men and women? Or do women have different seasons in which they can show off from a slightly different perspective? What's it like when it comes to Vivaldi's four seasons? Indeed, in fashion, autumn is considered to be the most fashionable time of year. It seems to me that this is due to the fact that above all, we wear layers. Layers can create such, such a three-dimensional look and can neatly camouflage, emphasize the shapes that we want. And, you know, we can neatly play with these colors, these layers, and usually an outfit just gets more interesting. But then it often gets more elegant or more cozy. Or can we just put various twists on it? Because when it comes to men's wardrobe, I know from my own experience that this is probably the moment when a man can show his best side. Is that true? Because these are stereotypes, right? But if I find out from a stylist whether my thinking is correct, the best thing to do is just ask. You know, an outfit depends primarily on one's style preference, so there's no clear-cut answer to that, or it'll always be as you say. Perhaps your style is like that. When autumn comes, you dress a little more elegantly. But someone ha else has, for example, a different style. You know, a different personality. They want to dress differently. For them, it will also be other clothes that they wear. Well, it's good that you referred to it, because I know that you deal with it every day. In addition to being a stylist, you also organize various types of trainings with different people. You are a person who influences the image, who helps people change their entire look. 
when it comes to the wardrobe and also ways of thinking about fashion. In your opinion, is fashion a way of expressing yourself? Is it a powerfully individual category? Or whether, after all, there are some kinds of, you know, secrets, tricks that everyone should learn, or you try to instill in them in people. What is your mission when it when you start this type of training? Well, you know, first of all, it's always the case that your outfit should match your personality. I totally agree with what you said, that it's fashion that we express ourselves externally. But let me tell you, I didn't always understand it. I mean, I needed time to figure that out when I was styling people. Now, the longer I work in this industry, the more I see how important it is to, first of all, get to know the person I am styling, to get to know what her personality is, what she wants to look like, what she likes, and then choose an outfit for her needs. This is a very, very individual issue, clothing. So, to get dressed rather than putting on a costume? Absolutely. Because at this point, it could be definitely harder to feel comfortable in it, to feel at peace with oneself. Have you always had a uniform style, or has it evolved in a relationship to your life looked like at the given moment? Or have you had any such, you know, different kinds of looks for yourself? It's definitely evolved. Before I became a stylist, I did breakdance professionally, so my dress code... Look at that. Hip-hop. <laughs> That's right. My dress code was a tracksuit, a hat with a visor, usually backwards, big hoop earrings like Jennifer Lopez, and that's how I felt great. How did your adventure with work of a stylist begin? Where did you start? Was there a specific chapter in your life that led you to this path, or did something inspire you? Someone pulled you into this world. You saw a niche from the business perspective. What was driving you at that moment? It was just at the stage when I felt that my career, if you can call it that, was ending. That I was already closer to 26, and I felt... You danced till you were 26? So it was that a serious tryst? Yes, well, I went to various tournaments around the world, but I knew that I also wanted to start a family. That there would come a time when I would no longer have the strength for so many trainings, because it required a lot of training, almost every day, and... This is probably a full-time job if we're talking about competitive sport because that's what it is, if you're so fully into it. And then came... Dance. We don't put dancing into sports category. It's more of a lifestyle. A lifestyle also, but breakdancing is all about dancing. And, you know, then I felt like, like this passion that I had for dancing, it made so much sense in my life that I knew that I had to find another passion because I couldn't handle it. I just have to have passion. I have to have something that engages me, something that inspires me every day, you know, and something that I can grow. And then I was working somewhere full-time at a corporation, and I thought, well, how about just trying to have a profession in your life that's going to be a passion? I did some research. First, I tried different things. Not everything worked at first, until finally I made an attempt as a stylist. I also tried various jobs at the beginning because working as a stylist ranges from working at photo shoots, working with celebrities, famous people, to the personal shopping industry, which I deal with. I tried these various jobs, but I felt the best in this personal shopping industry, so in the kind of service I perform. For example, I work with individual customers, but I don't dress them for the red carpet. So these are not famous people, but simply people who need help, who want to look better every day, and so I work on it. 
Dance is undoubtedly all creative, and you probably had an inner drive to create further. Did the corporation kill that a little bit in you? Or was this work in casual mode from 9 to 4 p.m. totally not your thing? Was that what directly influenced you to decide to drop everything and try? You know, at the time, I wasn't quite sure if it was true or not. I worked at a corporation and treated it as just a way to earn money in order to be able to devote myself to passion, so to dance and go to competitions and be fulfilled that way. But later, when I left it and started doing what I do today, in retrospect, I know that I just wasn't myself there. I had to go into a certain mode, and it wasn't me. Today, I know that I can be myself. I know that I can be authentic, and that I can actually be fulfilled in it, because there I was, just doing what I was supposed to do. Sure, and tell me, is a stylist's job an undoubtedly diverse occupation? This is an activity in which we can really choose truly among shades of gray, like in a wardrobe and a palette of colors. You decided on personal shopping because it was your passion. You always like to advise your friends, colleagues, friends, and family. Why is this kind of stylist work and not, for example, work on photo shoots or styling the stars you mentioned? Is it more of a niche or did you just feel a great calling for this particular work? That's a great question. You know, primarily because it makes me very happy that I'm helping another person and that... That's smile on their face. As I've observed some of the people you've had the pleasure of working with you, that's a complete change. I'm just wondering, is there really such an option to enter this profession with such a mission or is it always a profession? I don't know. That's a good question too. I think I have a mission and it's the case in all I do because on the one hand it is my profession and on the other when I meet this person who wants to look better and needs my help then I feel such a mission and until this person is satisfied this mission continues. And as you observe Polish women and men what is the most common problem in our wardrobes in our heads directly when it comes to the issue of picking clothes? Oh look under the, under a tree it's a good thing that we have our umbrellas because we really would be totally, totally wet today. What is the most common problem when you observe people who have a problem with finding their own style or don't know where to start? I guess that it isn't just people who work in corporations every day, but also people who want to open a new chapter. What does that look like? Yes, exactly. So I'm going to refer to the last part, and then I'm going to answer the first part. Very often, my clients are people who are starting a new chapter in life. For example, divorced men who want to look better, so... So they just want to start life over completely? Yes, or they are, for example, women returning to work after maternity leave. Okay. So they had a time, you know, when they wore loose-fitting outfits with the kids, cared, fed them, etc., but they're going back to work and they need to refresh their image. Very often... These are stories like sometimes after an illness when, you know, they got back on their feet and feel that they also need such an external change. So in order to look better, and referring to the first part of the question, you, you know, I most likely observe that on the one hand, it may sound so banal, but on the other, they lack self-confidence and a kind of trust in their own taste. In my opinion, as I observe Polish people, that often women see a lot, but they lack the confidence, and sometimes they need to hear from me that, yes, you look great in that. 
What do you usually tell women when it comes to such a beginning, such a swing? Because it seems to me that it's easier to create someone new than to convert one someone. Or is it the opposite? What does that look like? You know, what I really need to do, first of all, is to discover how much this person wants to change their style. You know, how ready someone is to undergo a total metamorphosis that he or she fully trusts me. Listen, Zosha, you are a specialist. We are going with it. Or whether someone says to me, you know, I am, for example, partially satisfied and I just want you to polish my style. So then... But these are metamorphoses, like, for example, that the change applies to everything. The entire image, like hair color, hairstyle, directly to what they have in their closet. Does it look like that? We also do total makeovers like that, depending on what service someone orders. Whether it's a partial or a complete change, as you said, with the hairstyle in the case of women. And if someone wanted to start doing, for example, something like you do, where would they begin? Is there still a niche in your field? Why do you think that most people decide to, you know go on this journey strictly related to magazine covers, or even to styling of photo shoots, or directly to what is strictly more related to this world of fashion that we know from Instagram, from Facebook, a little bit more from photo albums. Yeah, you know, it's here that I would first of all advise someone to, you know, test themselves in both environments and just discover for themselves in which they feel better. Did you do that too? That's right. I know I was a lot more attracted to that direction, and I went that way. And today, in social media, in your opinion, the best tool is to start this type of work? Because you have a mass of followers on your social channel. It is particularly a larger audience than the National Stadium, so I guess you can work with this group. Are there more women or men? There are more women now, so although there were more men at the beginning, there was more content about men's fashion. So you're more directly rooted in the men's offer? Yes, I started as, as I talked more about men's fashion, and then I saw that women's topics are even more catchy on the internet. Even though there's so much talk about it, you know, there's a lot of people, but I guess somehow my approach got my audience interested. And yes, well, you know, to answer your question, social media is always a good window on the world. Something that, you know, a channel through which we can communicate from the phone, so it is always a good way to tell and share with others about what you do, how you do it, and... But this is the main tool for communicating with your audience, isn't it? Do you use any other ways to create this profession? No, mainly this way, on YouTube. Most of the time, you're assuming, okay, okay, so I just wanted to point out that your YouTube channel is like the original factor that encourages people to watch all the metamorphoses that you perform. I watched an episode with a guy who had just bought a tuxedo, bought a jacket it was, you know, a deep, fast, simple metamorphosis when it comes to a men's wardrobe. Do you think guys should start with something specific, like, you know, a must-have in a men's wardrobe? Because I know that someone has a different style, personality, but there are kinds of products that just work for most men. If we just had to start somewhere... Yes. You know, I smile a little bit when I say this because the longer I work on this, the harder it is for me to point out the one thing that you know will work for everyone. I prefer simplicity. For me, there is class in it, elegance. It's always been something that I like the most. And I like that style, classic, elegant, minimalistic sometimes. 
but when I work with someone, they show me the inspirations of the look they want. I see on these inspirations fuchsia, amaranth, strong colors, very saturated with blue, green, so juicy. So we go on in such a style if someone wants it. So then somewhere in there is his soul. Did you ever have a situation where you definitely didn't vibe with what someone's suggesting? Because at that point, you have to. Because you have to approach it like a kind of psychologist, right? Because these are, just like you said, all kinds of conversations with clients. First of all, you need to bond. Are these different, difficult situations where you have two sides have to meet in the middle? Not anymore, because when I started, situations happened more often, as I did not have such a developed personal brand at the time. Today, when I already have this, I create content on YouTube and I share and I show what I do, what I like. People come to me who identify with what I like and we just immediately know. We get along. I will tell you honestly that I observe your path and it's quite a difficult task because to develop such a personal brand, to become an authority for people, this is probably the most difficult area of, of this approach to be a stylist directly from a various fields that you could deal with. Because if you really create someone's image, you take on a lot of responsibility. Have you ever felt the pressure associated with the fact that you could actually signing up for a project that has the first and last name and just another, for example, photo shoot? You know, this is where the two questions come up. First of all, about building that authority. I have never seen it that way. I didn't create content on YouTube to build my authority. I just looked more at the fact that I have some observations and conclusions from my work, and I enjoy sharing them with others and with people. Thanks to what I share, they also make some changes to their wardrobe, and it works for them. So for me, it was such a kind of direction, more of a desire to share it with others. But as I said, I never even considered building it. You know, I think from the sales and business perspective that at the moment when someone turns to you as a person who wants to get your advice, they want to become a partner in this relationship. When it comes to taking from each other, from both sides, well, at this point, you already have at this moment, we can say it loudly with a smile on our face, that you have a personal brand that many people is an authority. So later, you know, is taking on pressure, is it... Is it burdensome? Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's the second part of the question of what you're saying. I felt that responsibility from the very beginning. From the first customer, it's been like this for me, that someone has to look so good that I can sleep soundly. And it's a matter of good communication with another person of working out this shared space. You know, sometimes it's skillful negotiation with another person so that when you wear it, you will ultimately look better and why and so on. It's also sales skills that come up here. Yeah, well, look, somehow that corporate job has to come in handy. Exactly. So this work in a corporation is always an element that adds skill directly here. Yes, it gives you some skill. This is very often the case when we decide on various types of our business initiatives. You decided to start an adventure with a clothing brand. I wonder, what was the biggest difficulty and barrier to enter at the beginning. And how did you come up with this idea? You know, I came up with this idea very simply. In fact, there was a lack of such a product of skin tone t-shirts, which is a flagship product in our brand, 
and from which we started and introduced it to the market. And indeed, it was very well received. It turns out men were really looking hard for something that they couldn't get. So we provided it to them. I say we, because in the, from the beginning, I've co-created this brand with my husband, or actually at this point, he mainly manages the entire brand and builds our team. There were many more challenges than I expected at the beginning, actually very many of them. I didn't even know that they could appear in brand building, because referring earlier to my own personal brand, there is me and the people I work with on a daily basis who help me create, but the clothing brand is already a whole team of contractors, suppliers, you know, to create one piece is... It's a cycle, supply chain, generally outsourcing on every possible level. And there, you know, anything can happen along the way. As they say colloquially, go to pieces. A lot of things can happen, so this makes for a lot of challenges every day. Yeah, but as you guys were getting started, so you came up with the idea. Later, you had to create the whole entourage for this, that is, the whole branding. That's the pleasant part. This is the pleasant part because this is the part that involves a whole lot of fantasy and creativity. This is a very pleasant, and I have the impression that every person who decides to open their business is very much blind to what is pleasant because it is the most pleasant part from which it starts. Then things go south. What kind of south? You put it very well. Yes, as you say, this pleasant part, photo sessions, selection of models for the session, creation of ideas. Palette of views, colors, when it comes to clothes, it's all beautiful. It's a lot worse, certainly, when you have to pay the invoices, but the beginnings are sometimes pleasant. What's it like after that? What was your biggest problem at the time? Was it the customer who didn't like your product or just competing, for example, in e-commerce? There are actually challenges in many respects. The most challenges probably occur at the production stage. What I mentioned earlier, that it depends on several suppliers, factors, contractors, and all this makes the process of creating this product unpredictable. It happens that it is unpredictable. That's exactly where the various challenges come in. You operate in various areas as we already established. You are a person who creates a personal brand, someone who is an authority to a large audience. You're a mom, you're a businesswoman. How do you start your day? Where do you get your inspiration? Where do you get your strength to just be positive all the time? You're smiling, you're really super resourceful. Where do you get the motivation and what makes you like this? You know, I'm actually an optimist and I'm enthusiastic about a lot of things in life, but I'm not always smiling. Tougher days happen, the clouds come out, it starts raining. How do you feel about that when it happens? You know, I think dancing taught me the most. It is a dance. That came up before a little, because you said it was a sport, but it also takes a bit of kind of doggedness. Because it's a sport-like doggedness, where you fall and you have to get back up all the time. And, you know, it probably taught me the most in my life that this is a little brick that you add when you build something bigger that I often went to practice when I didn't feel like it. You know, you come in and you have a bad day, you haven't had any sleep, but you know you have a competition coming up in a while, and you just, you, you know, you go and you train. It's not always pleasant. It's not always passionate. It's not always that great. This is the day, I want to do it, etc. Well, but when you know after a few months, you go to the tournament and you're doing great, you know that it was the result of all those trainings, even when you didn't feel like it. Yeah, but you know, it's just easy to look at the success. 
Later on, it's sometimes more difficult to see the entire journey because we all show, either on social media or somewhere on the internet, only success shows up. That's probably what gets people totally discouraged from acting to some extent. That they don't see the process as a whole. They don't see all the stories behind the scenes. What it's like to drive this brand. What it's like to be a mom. What it's like to be a stylist. One that has to put a lot of work into order just to achieve success. But I guess it's also a need to be said, and it's worth it for it to be said, that the tougher moments are needed to get you a different perspective. That if we start accepting it ourselves, then it's probably easier for us later. Just like you said, add this brick every day to your success. Because it is, after all, some building that we have been building for years, and nothing goes immediately from zero to one to nothing appears overnight. You know, because I'm wondering when you get those external stimuli all the time, actually. But if you're not necessarily able to translate that into continuing to motivate yourself, and now what's your day like? How do you motivate yourself? You said that sometimes the shades of gray are different, that you don't want to, that is a brick that you keep adding. But how do you maintain the balance between work and professional life? With all these everyday, you know, activities, and finally being able happy with yourself. Because you give yourself to people. You give yourself to your daughter. You give yourself to your husband. But at the end of the day, you also put yourself to bed. And you have to wake up and have the energy to act on all those levels again. What do you do? I always try to find time for myself. Time alone. Being a mom, that's very often a luxury to find these moments. I realized that only recently, being a mom, I realized how it has always been for me, how it charged my batteries. Recently, I've heard an interesting maxim, let's say. You can even say it in terms of the fact that such advice for parents. Sleep whenever you can, that is, you know, the starting point of raising children. Sleep wherever you can, and just nap when you can. But you're saying that you've noticed that it's a real luxury when it comes to time for yourself. When you get that, how do you spend it? I'm with myself then, resting. I don't do anything specific. So, whatever. Lie on the couch, read a book, browse Instagram, anything calm? Well, maybe not Instagram. Work already causes you to start leaving social media at this point and calm down a bit. Definitely. I think that today in general, we do not realize how many stimuli there are around us. Just like Instagram, this information, this access to the phone. And for me, that's the recharging time when I cut myself off from it. Well, yes, because this light even causes us to be irritated. That affects us and all these, you know, messages keep buzzing. At which point does a person have the time to stop? Gym too. Going to the gym when I just do my workout, you know? So natural endorphins all the time. Jogging? Time with family. Well, jogging not so much, but yes on the gym. Time with family. That is a walk, something like that in general, right? Calm things. It's a kind of getaway, away from work, just being so close to family. But I guess I also always try to find, almost every day, time for little pleasures for myself. Something so small that it just gives me such great pleasure. And it makes it, you know... You have to. We all have to take care of it. It's really very, very important in this race 
to just catch those moments. Now, the moment you decide to start your business, you take some risks. You took a risk earlier, starting a job as a stylist, quitting your job at a corporation, like at David and Goliath, to start your company. What makes you such a lioness? And what keeps you from wanting more all the time? That there's one job, there's another, and you still want more? Is there a backstory to that? You know, when it comes to your personality, has it always been like that? I don't know. I guess it was. You know, first off, I danced for 12 years. You used to play sports, too, so you know how it is. I said you were a lioness because you're also a mom. You manage your own brand, you manage a clothing brand together with your husband, but if you also manage a wonderfully beautiful project in the form of your four-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Interestingly enough, she had the pleasure of performing with you at the latest Echo campaign. What is your biggest challenge when it, your little spark showed up in your life? Well, motherhood surprised me a lot. I can tell you honestly that the beginnings were very difficult. If we had talked about this three years ago when my daughter was one and a half years old, I would have said, oh my God, it's really hard. So the beginnings are super hardcore. You know what? It depends on whether they are. It depends on how temperamental your baby is. Well, I saw in a video that I watched from the campaign that your pride and joy is really quite spirited and seems to be everywhere. Oh yeah, you got that right. She's very active. She has a lot of energy, which is, you know, incredibly charming, and I admire that about her. At the same time, it's very demanding for the parent. But, you know, she sees her mom who's creating all the time. She's in photo shoots now, appearing in advertising campaigns like this new Echo campaign, and she's also a girl, so she's definitely absorbing everything that's in these fairy tales right now or in some other children's books. I don't know them, but I can imagine there's a lot of it out there. She's absorbing these, and these stimuli are probably translating into something. Would you like this kind of creative expression to be stimulated in her, or at least from this side of the expression when it comes to, for example, children's clothes or shoes? Or would you rather she approaches it on her own? Or do you have another idea for her? How's that look for you? I have the same approach to motherhood and parenting that my parents had. For me, I am watching her and I will support her in what she wants to do. I'm going to do everything I can to give her the right conditions to thrive. I'll share my experience with her, but I won't impose anything on her. This is her life and she will decide who she wants to be, what she wants to do, and how she wants to do it. It's just cool to give her a hand, support her. Because definitely, over the years, when I look at my childhood, and probably like you, you go back in time. This is the most beautiful thing parents could give us. That is, such freedom of expression. I always had complete trust from my mother, full freedom in all my projects. I hope that today she thinks that I turned out well. So it's certainly always helpful to some degree, and parental support is something wonderful. We are slowly coming to an end of our meeting today, although I'm very sorry about that. I will tell you, though, this umbrella saved us. It was a super wonderful conversation. What's your biggest dream right now? What are you dreaming about? There comes a time when we always calm down, where we really go into a state of greater rest. The summer is over, warm tea, the warm cozy sweater we talked about, and there's more to think, not so much to slow down, but we are always still have our challenges. 
but to stay in the house for a while, when it's a little colder, and to think. What's on your mind right now? What is your biggest dream? Looking so holistically at the beginning as a stylist and running your own business, that you're a mom and a wife. What do you dream of? I have such simple dreams. These are often the most difficult ones. I really dream of me and my loved ones staying healthy. Really, I don't have bigger dreams because the rest is, you know, it's a matter of whether I earn something, whether I succeed in something, or whether I'm determined to achieve it. But my health can take that away from me. You'll never buy your health. Exactly. Seriously, this is my dream, so that I can live as long as possible and be healthy and that my loved ones stay healthy. Thank you so much for our conversation today, for all your forthright answers. I wish for this autumn, autumn winter season to be kind to you, that you will be healthy, that you will not be sick, that autumn will be wonderful, and that you will sail through all your difficulties. Thank you very much. And guess, it stopped raining. So why don't we grab a cup of tea? Let's go. We've just finished a special walk with Sofia Staliska in a true autumn aura. Soon, we'll unveil our new Echo Walks. Today, we learned what it is like to be a mom, a stylist, and also a businesswoman running a clothing brand. Stay tuned for the next edition of Echo Walks.